It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OGs, John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone and go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now. So, Beth, I know you were cleaning your closet. How's that coming along? John, you know what? I'm always doing things for my kids and I never get anything done for myself. My daughter has finals this week and I wanted her to have a nice clean room. And so I ended up literally pulling everything out of all of her dressers, organizing everything because she was like running late going to a party and she couldn't find a bra. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find a bra? She's like, you got to take me to Victoria's Secret right now. I can't find a bra. Like, what are you talking about? You're not going to run to the store and get a bra and be a half hour late for your party. Just put mm-hmm. on something else. Right. Teenagers. It's and so like- what did you do? I got to know. <sighs> you went, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I did. Of course you did. You went. I did. I did. I you, did. You, like, you sacrificed yourself. Right now, get in the car. <laughs> that's, that's what you've turned into. Now you've gone from being this, you know, super awesome television star to being a bra fetcher. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, so, you know, Beth, I've been trying to lure you here to Nashville town to, to leave Los Angeles and come live in the dirty South here, but it was 27 degrees here last night. I wonder, I wonder how you felt about that. I mean, look, I'd rather not move anywhere, but Los Angeles is just, I just don't know what to do. It's, I don't know. It's just not what it used to be ever since the pandemic. And it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's really, really crazy. And I've been looking at houses in Nashville. Come on. So I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. You know, I love LA because there's so many concerts. It's like every week there's just somewhere new you can run you to. You are the concert listen going to some great person. music. And I know in yeah. Nashville they have that too. It's just I'm just not I'm not the country lover that you are. I'm I'm the I'm rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a little bit country and you're a little bit rock and roll. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I I I don't know. So a few years ago, I got this message in my inbox on Instagram and he, you know, this person had watched me on TV and, oh, I'm a big fan. Me and my wife are a big fan to you. And I'm, I'm looking, oh, that's nice. You know, I get those messages once in a while and I'm looking, I'm living in Alabama at the time and it says Shooter Jennings with a blue check. And I, I said, I just immediately replied. I don't even know if I answered any of his questions, but I said, is this Shooter Jennings? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. I've watched you on TV. I'm like, oh my gosh, first of all, you need to know that I sing country music because my father loved your father's music. And he said, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and of course, you know, I'm familiar with his music as well. And I said, I want to be your friend. And he responded, then we're friends. <laughs> and so I said, well, I live in Alabama. I'm coming to Nashville really soon. We're going to hang out. He said, man, I grew up in Nashville. I don't live there anymore. I live in Los Angeles. And I thought, gone. I never get to LA anymore because we're the, the real world in LA. And not long after that, there we were in LA doing a reunion and I called this guy. I said, can I borrow a guitar of yours? Because I want to fly with my guitar. Anyway, I've been so excited to have this guy on our podcast. I'm so proud that I call him a friend. He's a Grammy award-winning music producer. He's a phenomenal artist and songwriter. Welcome the legendary Shooter Jennings to Getting Real. That's a hell of an intro <laughs> there, John. Yeah, man. I, uh, but I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. And I, I you know, I've since gotten to hang out with you and Beth together and separate at different occasions. And I love it. So I feel very happy to see both of you on here. And I, <laughs> and I feel your pain, Beth, because Misty and I like 
Bama, my daughter's 16, you know, and, and she, for her birthday, she got a room re, like a makeover. So we were, we like, I mean, Misty really did most of it, like took everything out of her room. We got rid of like all these toys and then turned it into like a teenager's bedroom, you know, that has like room and all that. So it was pretty crazy. And then having to decide what goes to storage and what goes to storage, you know, the, the, <laughs> they, they think, you know, so it was the storage crazy. in the sky, the... <laughs> yeah, the storage in the sky. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel it. I feel your pain there. <laughs> Wow. I know. Isn't it crazy just how, how quickly they grow up? I mean, I just had a party at my house for my daughter's birthday and, you know, we're immediately going from bouncies to bouncers because I hired Cyrus from the real world well, Boston to be my security guard. Like, are you kidding? I have bouncers at my daughter's birthday party now. That's a great bouncer. That's a great, that's bouncer. a perfect bouncer because he looks super intimidating, but then he's like this gentle teddy bear that, you know, it's going to handle teenagers well. Cause he's, oh, he's nobody so nice. messed with him. Nobody messed with him. Yeah, But he looks like at a glance, you're like, that dude's going to mess me up. If I get out of line, that would be like, that's Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I mean, we, Misty watches all of the challenge stuff. So she literally knows everybody and all of it, but I'm the one who's like the real world guy. So I'm like, Oh, I know that guy. I, he oh was my gosh. World, you know, <laughs> that's so crazy to think of the celebrities that have watched us on TV. Cause you know, they sit around and watch MTV in the nineties too, Beth. So we don't think of the shooter Jennings and the Elton Johns and the, all the famous people that we've met that like, they sat around and watched us. That's crazy. Hey, that was on. I left it on all the time. It was. It was. I. I saw y'all season probably a thousand times by the time I was had, was able to drink because they aired it so much and they re-aired it so many times that I can't tell you how many times I'd seen it. And in y'all wait, season, wait, wait. shooter, you only watched us when you were drinking. <laughs> no, this is before I was drinking. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> by, by the time I could drink, I had seen you guys and stuff the whole time, you know, because like that was high school for me. And uh -huh. and I wasn't, it's weird like now when I've grown up and I realize how close in age I was to you guys, like, because we're mm -hmm. now at this point, it seems like we're like the same age group. But like when I was watching that, I was in, you know, freshman in high school. So I was watching these people who just moved to LA and had these big dreams. And like here, I already knew I wanted to move to LA then. So it was, it was particularly that episode and John in particular was, was really wild because to me it was like, oh, there's someone from the area I'm from that is on the, that's getting represented on this show in a weird way. You know, the, the hillbilly. <laughs> like, yeah, I got represented a in a weird way. All right. That's right. So <laughs> where'd you go to high school shooter? Just curious. I went to a school I call university school in Nashville. I went to two high schools actually, but that was the one I, I ended up at and the longest and and I really loved it's it's still there. I like would go back and visit the teachers and awesome. I made one of the teachers end up being my friend till he passed away. Like we were really close forever. My art teacher, Gene Sizemore. So that was a great, it was a great school and I loved it. And it was cool. Cause I could, you know, during driving years, my dad's office was like, I mean, not even, even when I wasn't driving, my dad's office was really close to there. So I would walk down and, and, and visit with Nikki Mitchell who worked who kind of managed my dad and the people there at the office and hang out. So it was just right there near music row, you know? Yeah. So music row for those that don't know is, is an old residential area in Nashville, 16th and 17th and 18th Avenue. That was, you know, homes, houses, and then they gutted them and made them offices for the music business, mostly recording studios for the music business. And now they've kind of reclaimed it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it lately shooter. It's a, it's a lot of condos and Virgin hotel and, 
you know, a, a lot of the studios and homes have been kind of moved over to make room, but you know, everything's yeah, changing. That's so, it's so weird. Yeah. The, my dad's old office, it's, it's still there. The building it's, it's not, we don't have any more, it was at 17th and edge Hill right there. And the house, like these were like, you know, world war one civil war era houses and the, like this lady, like there was a, it was haunted. They said, I never saw it. I tried to stay all night. I've never seen a ghost my whole life. I've tried so hard, but, <laughs> but that's why it's hard for me to believe that they exist, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, but like, but you know, that little house that had like a, what are you, what the, the widow's walk thing, you know, where they'd go out there and wait and wait for their husbands to come home. And, and a lot of those old houses had that, that kind of architecture and stuff, you know, and it was really weird because they, they, it it really became kind of abandoned in the 2000s, but it was during the 90s. It was like every house had a writing room in it and everyone was writing country music and, you know, it was wild. Yeah. So I went to school briefly at Belmont University, moved from Kentucky down to Belmont to, you know, be the next Garth Brooks, right? And that's actually where I got cast to be on the real world. But I would go up and down Music Row just dreaming. And uh, of course, Belmont's right there at the end of Music Row. And one day, I think I've told you the story, I was driving down 16th Avenue and, you know, you get impatient there, you know, these people, these old people are trying to parallel park their car. And this Cadillac was, you know, trying to parallel park and it's a one-way street. Well, I couldn't get around them. And so I just stopped. Well, they kind of took too long. And I, you know, I'm known as a nice guy, but I'm, I, I, you know, I got road rage sometimes and impatience. You honk. <laughs> I laid on the horn. So I laid on the horn for, it wasn't like a beep, beep move. It was like a 10 second. I've been sitting here. What are you doing? I'm annoyed. And then it was clear. And I went around him and I gave him that look like what you dummy, you shouldn't even have a driver's license. And this person rolls down the window, gives me the finger like, Oh my gosh. And it was Waylon Jennings. And I called my dad. I said, dad, I got to tell you what happened today. And I told him the story I just told you. And he said, oh my gosh, son, you're going to get beat up. You can't act like that. I said, dad, it was Waylon Jennings and the silence. And he goes, I'm so proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you today. <laughs> Waylon Jennings gave you the bird. This is the best day of our lives. He was such a fan. Anyway, we're talking to Shooter Jennings. We're going to take a break. Be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we're back getting real with Shooter Jennings. Shooter, when did you first start playing the piano? Well, I started playing drums first when I was really, really young. I was really into it. And and I got a kit when I was like four or five and was like messing around. It wasn't until I guess I was about seven or eight. And my parents wanted me to take something outside of school because I hated sports. And I was like, I was never like a fit kid or anything. And I picked piano because I just, I think I just liked it and, and I started taking, and I'd already been tinkering on it a little bit. And I just started taking piano lessons there in Nashville at a place called Blair. I remember it was like right across, right, right across the street from this place called the Dragon Park there. And we'd go after that to the Dragon Park and then get McDonald's after my recital or lessons or whatever. But I hated that because I, because they wouldn't, it was, it was good for me to learn the structure, but they always wanted to teach you like Alouetta and all these songs that like, I didn't want to play. Like I wanted to learn like stuff that I liked and. I guess it was kind of a classical, you know, um, type place. But so in the recitals and stuff, I hated all that. So I, I took like two years of it and then and then I stopped. But then I kept playing the piano and kept figuring it out for myself a little bit. And and I would like that my dad would like I remember he gave me like a keyboard that was like an old keyboard that they used on the road. You know, if I had kept that keyboard, it probably would have been worth like a lot of money because it was a pretty pretty awesome synthesizer but because it was the 90s they didn't want to use the old 80s stuff so he like gave that to me and so i had that in my and built like a little home studio and started messing around with that and that's kind of how i got into it at that point you know like and so what was the music that you wanted to play you don't want to be learning like classical music what were you thinking like i want to play this like what, what well, did you, you well the stuff i listened to i was a pretty you know like i had this friend and i or have this dear friend of mine he lives in nashville too but his name is jonathan Bodie, and we were best friends pretty instantly in about fifth grade or sixth grade whenever he transferred to uh, the elementary school i was at and we used to kind of during lunch break we would sneak off and play like nintendo game music we were really into nintendo so like we would play like he learned like the ninja gaiden music which was actually really beautiful music in that game or, or like we learned like street fighter or something we would kind of just tinker and mess around with that. But then we were otherwise just like normal kids listening to the radio. So like anything I wanted to, to play was pretty much like, you know, I mean, when I was seven or eight, got to think about like what I was listening to. Cause like I had Weird Al Yankovic seated tapes, you know what I mean? That's like <laughs> kind of, I was not a cool kid. I was not listening to anything <laughs> cool. Guns and Roses hit me when I, when I discovered that, that kind of made a big change in my life. Cause I was like, wow, this is, cause I didn't like eighties hair metal. So I was a little too young for that. So when I heard Guns and Roses, that sounded like dangerous and aggressive and, and bluesy and like just had a thing that struck me, you know? So I guess it would have been stuff like that if I was trying to, figure it out. I just know I didn't want to do like what they made us play. Like it seemed so annoying. And I was like, I would never in the recitals, you had to do all this. Now looking back on it, it's probably great stuff. But I mean, at the time it seemed very, very boring, <laughs> you know? So what was it like, you know, cause I, when I started being friends with you, I started YouTube and you a lot. And of course I knew oh. your music from 
you know, your, your record that you had out on Universal and Nashville and everything. So I knew, I knew your music and your music videos and I knew your dad, but I didn't know, you know, a lot. So I started YouTubing you and I saw this, I was really jealous when I saw this, you were a little boy and the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team all came to your house, like all of them. And you're this little boy running around the house, high five in the Kentucky Wildcats, who of course, you know, is my team. And I thought, what was that like? You know, Hey dad, what's going on today? Oh, Johnny Cash and Willie are coming over for dinner. I mean, what was it like growing up in your house? Man, I mean, well, the, you know, the Willie and the Cash thing, like I saw Willie a lot when I was very little, cause I went on tour with them through, through that whole early eighties. They did a lot of Waylon and Willie tours during that. And then the Highwaymen happened. Right. So I was like five when the first Highwaymen happened. So we went over to Europe and have like very faint memories of that. I kind of remember stopping at the Berlin Wall and then bringing dogs on the bus because that like shocked me that they brought dogs because I was a baby, right? But so that that kind of stuff was there and in, in the background. And so I was kind of, it was kind of felt normal. Like, like I remember there was a little, there was a little boy I went to elementary school with named Cliff and his dad was a doctor. And I remember when I went to his house one time when I was like four or five, my dad came to pick, pick me up and he said, Oh, hello, Dr. Jennings, you know, cause he thought everybody's dad was a doctor. Right. So it was kind of, kind of, it was a little similar of a thing when it comes to Waylon and, you know, I'm sorry, to Willie and, and Cash and in particular, the people that were around a lot were Tony Joe White and George Jones for the most part. Those are the people that wow. were in town and, and Carl Smith, those guys would come over. Mm -hmm. But, but, but as far as like the other stuff, it was, it was weird. It was, you know, I used to like tell my dad to like wear a costume when we went to the mall because I didn't, I didn't, I was annoyed by all the people that would walk up to him. I couldn't really mm -hmm. go anywhere with him without people kind of bothering him, you know? So, so there was a little bit of that, but you know, the Kentucky Wildcats thing is a totally different thing. That was really wild. And and my, my dad was into the Wildcats, but this, I had like a second mom who, who still is huge that we call her like our Alfred because she, her name's Maureen Rafferty. And she lived at the house when my parents would travel, she'd stay behind if I was in school and stuff. And she would travel with us when I would go. And she was a school teacher that they had hired to take care of my older brothers and sisters when, when they first moved into the house of my parents. So anyway, she, she was from Kentucky and she was a huge Wildcats fan. And so it was very much in her house. And then I went to, they put me in the Wildcats basketball camp one summer and I'm like the most unathletic kid. How'd I got like the award. Oh, I was last in the class and they, I got the <laughs> award that they give the, the, the hustle award as they call it. Uh-huh. That's the kid. Like, that's the award they give the kids that can't shoot. That's the get. That's right. That's right. So that's so you're, that's you're what there I got. at Kentucky Wildcat basketball camp with Michael Jordan's son, and this is Waylon Jennings' son, and it's like you know maybe you could play guitar for them or something. Well, it's funny. It's funny because like the other kid went there. Another kid named Blake Judd went there when I went there, and later years later he directed a bunch of videos of mine. Still a good friend, but but it was weird because I think my dad became who was coaching that year. He's in the video. It's Eddie Sutton. Eddie right? Sutton. Yeah. So Eddie Sutton was coaching and I remember he, he became friends with my dad and then they planned this whole thing when they were coming in town and they all came over and Rex Chapman came over and yeah, 
I remember like this is cool, but like Maureen was like losing her mind. Yeah, as people were in. Well, this Maureen lady sounds very awesome from Kentucky. Sure, she loves you the would wild love kid. her. Oh, I'm you, sure I would. you would. She still lives. She's over there in Campbellsville, Kentucky. She's wonderful. See, see, um, that's the heartland of America. Now I've seen this picture online. Anytime that you search Shooter Jennings on Google Images, this picture comes up, and it's it's got to be the day you were born. It's it's you as an infant and your father, and Johnny Cash is holding you. That's right. That Is was that the day the you were born. Was it was, cow. yeah. And so not only not only your dad, and I'm germing you a little bit, sorry, but our listeners will appreciate it. away, brother. But I, your I, but your mom and I almost wore my almost wore my 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 Jesse Coulter shirt that you gave me today. But I thought, you know, you don't invite somebody on their podcast and wear a picture of their mom on the shirt. That's just tacky. So but your your mom, a huge country legend. Not only your dad, but your mom and your dad are like the royalty of country music and you grew up in Nashville and like everybody does, they want to go explore other places and get out of the town that they were raised in. So the LA lights lured you. They did. I mean, I was, you know, Nashville was a very confusing existence for me because at that time I wanted to be, I wanted to play rock and roll. I was an MTV kid and I had a rock band and I had been working towards this moment for a long time. I, you know, I was the year 2000 when I was 20 when I moved and I had been like, two bands with the same guys, different configurations. We'd have evolved to a place where I felt like, okay, you either go to LA or you go to New York. But at the same time, there was a lot of already, there was a lot of like, you should play country music and you should do this coming from people. And, and, and I, I didn't like any of the country music out at the time. I wasn't even into it. I, I love my dad's music, but I didn't listen to country. I had friends that went to like, cause that remember that was like the height of, garth and the like denim and diamonds those kind of places like mm-hmm. in the in silverados there in nashville people go yeah. blind dance and like so that's what all the kids did if you were in the country and which wasn't at the time so i had friends that were like doing all that and it just was like i wanted to go to la like i knew it a long time ago up at movie when i was really young i saw that movie and at that point in time i could not wait to go to hollywood and then, like, my dad did that movie Stagecoach when I was, like, six or seven years old with the High Women guys. And we went to L.A. and and I was out there and, and I just knew I wanted to be there. So I finally moved with my band. And, you know, and I, what was so good about it is, that, like, I was able to figure out who I was out here. You know, I think if I had stayed there, I might have... I don't know what I would have done. My path might have been totally different, you know. And 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 at the time, there was no good rock and roll in Nashville. It wasn't. It seemed like a really small town at the time. And now, when I go back, I'm like, whoa! It's so big now, and it's so yeah. different now. But it's the same old Nashville to me. Like it's tough mm-hmm. for me, you know. I could never live there. I still go places, and people still say like, "Why don't you do this?" Like, and I'm like, God, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get back to LA where. No one talks to me, or if they do, they're, you know, I know them. I know they know. So, me. <laughs> so no one, no one in LA thinks you're cool. Like they don't, they don't. You, they're not yeah. awestruck when they see you because it's. Oh God, <laughs> please, no, no. I, I mean, it's LA is the greatest for that reason. It's like it's like a wonderful town of, of really artistic people spread out everywhere, but nobody's impressed with anybody. Oh yeah. please, okay. I, I just want to tell you guys, I went to the Guns <laughs> and Roses concert. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to hopefully, you know, bump into Axel because I worked for him when I first moved to Los Angeles and I'm sitting there enjoying the concert with my husband. And then all of a sudden on the jumbotron, 
I start seeing flashes of Shooter and his wife Misty right up on stage. On stage, she texts oh, me, Shooter. Wow. She's like, Shooter's on like, stage. Shooter is on stage right? at the Hollywood Bowl with Guns and Roses. So I text Shooter, and he was, you know, <laughs> enthralled in the concert. So he didn't. I said, Well, he's probably busy watching the show, and she's like, Well, I'd love to say hi to him. I'm like. You know, she's at the Hollywood Bowl watching Guns N' Roses and she keeps seeing you on the jumbo screen and she's texting me in Nashville. I know, I know. And I can't, I can't, Dad, now I can't pick up my phone for sure because then it looks like I'm on my phone while I'm on the side of the stage. Like, you're at at the Hollywood Bowl on stage, like right next to Ackle and Slash. Oh my God. Say hi. Hi, Misty. Hi, Misty. She's in the back. She's like, I want, she wanted to listen because she loves you guys so much. She just did not. Come say hi. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, come say hi. It's just audio. And then uh, I, you know, and then right after when the show ended, I grabbed my husband Matt, and I'm like, let's go by backstage and see, you know, if we could see, you know, maybe Axel will go by, or let's try and see how we could get into the party. And then Shooter walked out with Misty, and I was like, oh my gosh! And and Shooter was like, oh, I think I could get you into the after party. Hold on. And then like 30 seconds later, he's standing at the top of the stairs and he goes, babe, come on up. <laughs> Let me hear you try to do that, Shooter. Can you can you even do it? He he and Misty can do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. So so you two rock stars. All right. First of all, you guys are out in LA, both of you. And, oh and I kind of, I mean, I kind of introduced you. I mean, it, it's like you help your friends become friends and then they hang out without you. That's what happened at the Hollywood Bowl. That See, that's what, that's what happened. <laughs> 100% introduced us, John. You definitely pulled us into your you guys' wild world, huh. which is very appreciative. You also invited Misty and I and our friend to the that party that you guys went to, which like blew everybody's mind. Michael with. Jackson's house, the house he was yes. renting when he passed. It was Cyrus's party. Beth, what was it? It was Mark Long's birthday and Cyrus's party also. Oh, I think that was the premiere for All Stars. Yeah, it was yeah, the challenge All Stars. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, so the premiere. I was, yeah. I was in LA, and I thought, well, I mean, Shooter's a big fan of the show, and his wife Misty, and they're so nice, and let's invite them. They'd love to meet all these people. And then when they saw Shooter Jennings plus one on the on the guest list, because I put it on there, people were freaking out. Like, like Shooter Jennings so is weird. coming. Why? To <laughs> Why? Because you are a rock so, star, bro. You are. You are. So you are the most humble Grammy Award winning producer I've ever met. First of all, oh, man. I mean, whatever. All that stuff is crazy. It's. It's like the, that whole game is so annoying to me because there were so many years that and so many bands that I know and stuff that have grounded out and they don't get any recognition. So I'm always surprised when like. I mean, we weren't that big. Like my musical career didn't really go anywhere crazy. I got lucky because I, you know, Brandy hitched her wagon up next to mine and we did some records that made some some noise. But I remember many, many years of people not giving a shit. And then all of a sudden, like something happens and people do give a shit. And I'm like, it all seems so crazy to me because like to me, if I was at a party and that you guys were at that party and there was every big hot celebrity now, I would only want to meet you guys, right? If I didn't know you. <laughs> No, I mean, that's because weird. it's like you guys touched my life at, at yeah. a young age. You guys were a big part of my my high school years and everything. And then to meet you and you're both wonderful people and and like completely unfazed well, by, it, you know, bro, when I when I when I started hanging out with you or talking to you, even I was like, I can't believe Shooter Jennings is the nicest person I've ever met. I got to be honest, like your image is like, you know, you might cuss somebody out at any minute. And I thought this dude. And then one day you said, John, give me a hug. I'm like. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I thought this guy is the sweetest dude ever. I mean, I was oh, so surprised. That's how I felt about you. That's and how then, I felt about you, man. So, John, before you met Shooter, my son was playing soccer on a soccer team. And I don't know, it was like Beverly Hills, whatever, AYSO. And Shooter's son was playing soccer with my son. And I was oh like, my. like that's Shooter Jennings over there. Six degrees of separation. <laughs> so before, that was this before awesome. I remember that. connected with John. And I was like, John, Shooter Jennings is, is at the soccer field. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the New York season had done a homecoming and I guess Shooter and Misty had, you know, hey, wonder if that cowboy singer from Nashville is going to get to do his reunion. So they, you know, messaged me and I said, I don't know. That's kind of how it all happened. My roommates are dorks. I don't think they're going to do the stupid reunion. I don't know. And so it all came together, but it was great. We <laughs> loved it. It was so good. I mean, it was, it was so wild to get to know you guys before that came out and then watching it and everything. It was really, really cool. So I was really happy that you guys did it. And, and you loaned me your band because I went and did a gig and, and they showcased it and, I'm like shooter, I don't know any musicians. You're like, my band's excellent. My band's awesome. They'll nail yeah, they're your songs. They're great. They oh, loved they playing so with great. you, man. man they loved they, playing with you. They it were was a money. fun night. So how 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 and when and what caused the transition? Did you always know it was going to happen? Because you're a singer songwriter artist, but now I mean you're you're super super well known for being this Grammy award winning producer, and we can talk about the acts and the music. But what made you decide? Hey, going to quit doing the artist thing for a little while, and I'm gonna, I'm going to produce records now. You know, it's weird. It kind of all, it all kind of pointed to that, but I didn't really pick that up. Like when I was, when I was young, you know, I, when I, when I first started messing with music, the first thing I did was built like a home studio and was learning how to use software and stuff. Cause I was, I was really into nine inch nails. Like that band really struck me because I was a computer nerd and he was using computers and synthesizers to do all this music that was so interesting sounding. So I was really, that kind of is where I started tinkering with that. So then then fast forward like i'm getting to where we're about to move to la and, and I'd, I'd gotten really into bowie and the beatles and pink floyd and so we we started doing more of a live thing and i kind of got away from all of that for a minute and and i moved to la and had this band got into the doing my own thing the solo thing doing the more country thing I got a deal out of nashville so i was kind of going back and forth so at that moment i was kind of in in the storm of it once i once it started to get very difficult it was after about like 10 years of touring at that time I had gotten to where like I didn't have any money left we the rooms were getting like just we weren't we weren't the hot act at the time so it'd be like a half full room in Ohio or we had a bad booking agent or I like I couldn't afford to be out with a full band or a bus and so then at one point I started touring with my dad's old band which was amazing which was really fun and we did it for like four years but as that was happening i just started like aware of the road and the traveling and my missing my kids and missing so much was already like weighing pretty heavy on me and i remember when i met my old manager who passed away his name is colonel john hensley we met in 2000 and end of 2011 and I had a regular manager, like an LA manager, and I'd I'd had I'd been manager to manager for a long time. And this guy was younger than me and really smart, looked like a rock star, acted like one too. And I hired him and we became like best friends. And he kind of I had put out and had like my own label, quote unquote. It was kind of a vanity label at that point, but 
he wanted to really make one print vinyls, like really get into the label side of things. And he was like, really wanted me to produce because I was already like, I used Dave Cobb. I'm trying to make this short as possible, but I, I'd used Dave Cobb as a producer. He's one, I met him in Nashville. And sorry, in LA in 2001. And we started work on, or 2002 probably, well, we started work on a record that would become the Put the O Back Country record. And I, after that, I did like seven records with him. And then I started producing my own records. And there was two bands that I really liked, this band Fifth on the Floor and another one called Hellbound Glory. And I went and produced those two bands. And they were like the first, knew I wanted to get into the production thing. So here, then I meet John Hensley, and he's like, wants to start a label. And he's like, and you're you're a really good producer. You need to be doing more producing. Like his, his whole thing was, let's have you produce stuff and we'll put it out on the label. And I kind of was doing all that while I'm still doing my, because I'm having to pay the bills with the being on the road, you know? And so that that kind of being chained to, to the money of the road and having to travel to do that while I'm getting into this other thing was getting really hard. And it wasn't until... John passed away in 2015, and I put out this record in 2016 called Kuntosh that I had invited Brandy Carlisle to sing on. It was a tribute to Giorgio Moroder, and she sang The Neverending Story on that because I knew she loved it. I had met her. We had really hit it off the one time we met, and I had her sing on it, and she did it, and she asked me to produce her record right after that. And so that was like the moment someone like Substantial gave me the opportunity to work on their record. So that was, we ended up being 2018. And that year I did, I got asked by Duff McKagan and I did his record, asked by Marilyn Manson. I started his record. He actually asked me um, right after Brandy, but we didn't get into it till about a year later. So then I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. Like it was spreading out. It was all this other music that I liked. I was a huge Marilyn Manson fan when I was young. So doing his record was really huge thing for me. Yet I'm still touring and a couple other records came. The Tanya thing happened, which was something that I had pursued her about and then brought Brandy in on. And we that ended up being Amazing. really good. So all that started to happen and we won these Grammys. And then the so I had just said it's going to be five years, wean myself off of touring and go full on into the production thing. Because this, this I'm realizing I really love this. This is what I was meant to be doing. So then the pandemic hit and it forced the whole plan. Mm -hmm. And I never went on tour again. Basically. You had to take a break. Yeah, being on the road, it's it's really hard. Like when you're an artist, you make one album, you have this creative period, and then you tour for like two years, and then you make another. And it's like that one creative period is what I like so much, you know. So now I get to like consistently do that with different artists like all year. And it's something that I really have just truly enjoy doing, you know. And so then at that point, now I'm now I'm able to make I got really fortunate and was able to make a, a living doing the production thing and I don't have to do the touring thing anymore. And so that's kind of where it went. It's not that I don't love my music or I don't have a passion for it. There's still stuff I work on and projects we do, but it just has to be something I really believe in. I don't want to go out there and like sing the 4th of July every night, 150 nights a year. I like it and everything, but it's like, to me, that's, it's a waste of time for what I, I feel that I, I'm, should be doing, you know? So we want to talk to you much more about the producing in just a minute. We're talking to Shooter Jennings. We'll be right back. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, the 4th of July, which was my first introduction to you as an artist, because you were on a big Nashville record label. You, you know, it was a, it was a mainstream country release for you. And you did a video that your mom was in and, yeah. and it was at Salvation Mountain down in Southern California. Yes, which it was. Was familiar yeah. with. Such a cool video. Everybody should YouTube or look up a video to 
Scooter Jennings, Fourth of July. Great, great song. I'm watching like The Voice or Idol or one of these shows, and they was they used your song Fourth of July, where all of the no, contestants. It was Nashville Star. Nashville Star. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was really bizarre. That was like during that first record, and I think they went Miranda Lambert's solo record, first solo record, came out at the same time because I think they went from like that to like kerosene or something. It was like some kind mm. of a. Of a you know, funny, funny story, Beth, you know who produced the USA Network show, The Nashville Star? I don't know. Somebody from the real world? George Vershore, producer oh, George of the first, Vershore? the first four real cool. worlds. Yeah. And he said, John, uh, we're going to do a show in Nashville, just country music, kind of like American Idol. And so we talked and talked and talked. And That's he said, right. you can't be on it because I know you personally. I'm like, OK, well, I went to the audition. I'm like, George, there's your winner right there. I've heard him sing. And it was Buddy Jewell who won the uh the first what? season so oh. but yeah man so i mean i gotta know like i mean you're humble about it but but you're a grammy award-winning producer like you produce brandy carlisle who is one of the hottest acts in music right now i mean do you ever just drive down the road and go i produce an awesome grammy award-winning act like like I've made it. I'm doing this. <laughs> I mean, it is surreal, you know, but it's like the weight of it. And it's obviously an honor and all that. But like, like I said, man, there were so many years where nobody gave a shit. There were so many years where I was having to scrape everything I could to keep the show on the road, have to make, you know, all these really painful kind of decisions and, and been to that spot where I was like, you know, they gave a sh shit in Nashville and then, and like they did it and and you know we couldn't get a song on the radio and we got dropped by universal and there was a lot of frustration in the years so now it's like yeah so i did one thing with an artist who was also she was frustrated when we when we did that record because she was in a place where she had cut a lot of albums but it was really not breaking through you know so there was a lot of like fu energy in the in the in our brains and so, so yeah, it's amazing now. Like, it's amazing to, to like see when they write my name and they put the Grammy thing. Of course, I got my dad had two Grammys. I got three. Like, it. There are things about it that are are very. I feel Wait, what, did you just did you just well, outshine your father there for a minute? Was that a, was that a dig? Well, see, that was weird. I remember I told Brandy when we won that third one. I go, I just officially got one more than him, which is very weird, you know, because they because it was nothing like his were for really strange things too, which which. But uh, so you have three yeah. Grammys. What what are your Grammys for? I mean, I, we can't brush over that on our podcast here. You have three Grammys, yeah. Shooter. There's uh, there's uh, is the Americana. There's two Americana album of the years for brand for the two albums that that. Dave Cobb and I did with Brandy. And then mm. there's the country album of the year for the Tanya Tucker album. Tanya Tucker, who's been singing country music since she was like 12 years old. She's a legend in the business. Did you know yeah. her your whole life? Like, how did you? I met her on and off. I met her on and off. My dad loved her. My mom loves her. Met her a few times here and there. But I actually, it all came, that all happened because of a friend of mine named Adam Sheets. I was, I that band I told you about in the very beginning I produced Hellbound Glory. I've gone to do like four or five records of theirs since then. And so I guess, I don't know how many, but if I, I got to think, but there's a lot. And I love Leroy, the singer. And we were, he, one of the albums we did was called Pinball and he covered Delta Dawn on Pinball. So when I went in to go work on Pinball, this friend of mine named Adam Sheets says, hey, for record store day, you should get Tanya Tucker to sing Hellbound Glory's you better hope you die young and you can put that on the a side and you can put their delta dawn on the b side it'll be like each one doing their own cover and so i thought 
okay, cool. Like, so I reached out to Tanya and thought it was a great idea. And she said, yes. And she showed up in LA and she did not like the studio I was at. She thought it was a crappy neighborhood. And I remember she didn't understand that it wasn't me that wasn't singing this song, that it was another band. I'm having, I'm producing, but, but she, she showed up anyway. She did this great job on the song. We even shot a video. And that was when I realized she hadn't cut a record in like 13 years or something. Like I didn't know it had been that long. Right. And so I left that session and I flew to New York a couple of days later because it was Brandy's first record was just coming out that we did. And we were playing piano, playing the joke on uh, Colbert show. So I flew there and we were in the sound check for the Colbert show because Brandy would ask me later to go piano, play piano for it and stuff. So I played a lot of piano for it. And she, I just told her about this session that had just happened and that Tanya, I had told Tanya when she was leaving, I want to produce a record on you. And she thought I was crazy. And so then I, I told Brandy and she like lost her crap. Like she was like, I love Tanya Tucker. She's like, and my mom used to take me to bars and I used to sing two sparrows in a hurricane and mm-hmm. blood red and going down and all this stuff. And she knew everything. And I go, well, why don't you produce it with me? That was like right there on the oh, stage. My. She goes, I would love to. So then. We got wow, to what a talking moment. and that's crazy. Yeah, so, so, so let's have one of those moments. Hey, hey, Beth, you know, I'm getting ready to record some new stuff. Do you know any Grammy award winning record producer? <laughs> hey, man, I told you I'm in. Okay, you got to come out here, though. But I'm, I'm gonna, in. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start looking for material for my shooter. Yeah, I, I would love. Are you kidding me? I, I told you at the minute I met you, you and did? the minute then once then once you we did, saw and I was so intimidated by your stardom. I, didn't and I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know I'm what you're in, waiting I'm, for. We're not waiting anymore. I'm, 2024 is going to be my, my, my new. So shooter, we, uh, we appreciate you joining us. We have a segment about music that we'd love to get into and just like pick your brain about all things sure. music, whatever, whatever you want. I'm, I'm all yours. I, Okay. <laughs> okay. Shooter. David Bowie or Queen? David Bowie. David Bowie. Love Queen. Love Queen, but David Bowie. Okay. What's your favorite Bowie song? Song? I don't know if I can say song. It's hard for me to even pick album because like my fit, I always, if I have to pick an album, I have to say Ziggy Stardust because it was the first one for me that like I really fell in love with and I studied. But like later, it's like all the Berlin years, like Diamond Dogs and Heroes and it's hard. It's it would sort of be almost impossible for me to pick a song, but if I'll say "Candidate" just for today's audience. Nice. Okay. Pink Floyd or Leonard Skinnerd. Pink Floyd. Love Leonard Skinnerd, though. I mean, love. That's a very very hard choice because I know she every only gives Skinner. hard choices. That's the way she plays this game. <laughs> she only makes it difficult. But, right. Well. Very hard. I know every Leonard Skinner song that Rodney Van Zandt has ever sang on, and I love almost every single one of them. All that all I can do is write about is one of the most beautiful songs on the planet Earth. But Pink Floyd, because of the gamut they run between obscured by clouds and metal and the wall and all that, it's just musically music always somehow ends being whoever's the most musical in a lot of ways. I guess that's a bad thing to say because Skinner is extremely musical, but I guess Pink Floyd, unfortunately. Okay, Rage Against the Machine. Or Nirvana. Well, that's really brutal. I mean, <laughs> I love, I it's love, brutal. and I've known Tom Morello for 23 years, and I love Tom. So if I'm going to have a gun in my head, I'm probably going to pick Rage because uh, how much I love Tom. But Nirvana is like, you know what's weird about Nirvana with me? God, I'm probably going to get crucified for that, but is that I didn't even really get into Nirvana until me and Missy, right when we just got married, I was into them. I was I was into them as a kid. Wasn't like I remember I played Nirvana for my dad one time, 
And he said, that sounds like drugs. Like he loved all the other shit I would play. That was the only band where he goes, that sounds like drugs to me. And it was a weird, weird interaction. And then, but I always, I liked him, but I liked a lot of other bands in the nineties more than I liked Nirvana. But then when we first got married, I bought his diaries they put it, and I read that whole thing and I started listening to like everything that he'd done and got really deep into Nirvana for like, like a couple of years and really loved, just went down the rabbit hole of his influences. Cause there's a lot of that in his diaries. And, and I was already like into the Melvins and stuff, but I got really into them and I got really into all these other bands that he was really influenced by. So I love Nirvana, but I have more of a history with rage and, yeah. and I, I do love the music in, in rage against the machine. Okay, how about this? How about Nirvana or the Foo Fighters? Oh, Nirvana all day long. <laughs> wait, wait. Foo Fighters oh. is kind of like half Nirvana anyway. They're like, they're all right. They're I like Dave. Fun. I like I like Dave Grohl oh. a lot. A lot of different things. Foo Fighters is not my band. I feel like they're kind of like a modern day sticks. Yeah. Really? Yeah, a yeah, day a Beth loves Foo Fighters. I'm sorry. I, I don't hate okay. them. That's just, okay. That's there's okay. no comparison to Nirvana and Foo Fighters for me. I get it. But, I, you know, I'm thinking like tonight's the night we'll make history. I really, that's interesting comparison. Sticks in that, the that is the best I have ever heard you sing just then. I know Maybe how to that. sing, that John. Great. No, I, no, you don't. But that was not bad right there. Nirvana is an art piece, you know, like the Foo Fighters are kind of a pop band to me. But Nirvana yeah. is like a big yeah. art experiment, you know, so I... I like it. Okay. Yeah. All right. How about this? Sticks or yes? Ooh, yes, by far. And I don't even really like yes that much, but I really don't like sticks. So, yeah. so you can okay. <laughs> this is very revealing. Okay. Uh, the Beatles, the Beatles, or the Rolling Stones? Oh, that's like the one. That's it. Quentin Tarantino said that there's only Beatles and Elvis people. Is that what he said? There's only Elvis and Beatles. I believe, that, I believe it. I believe it. Everyone likes either one more than the other. Are you you okay? I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to say the stones because I like more of the stones material than I like the Beatles material. I love the white album and I love Let It Be and I and I love Sgt. Peppers, but Revolver's good, but but I'm not really crazy over the whole Beatles catalog. And the Stones I absolutely love. I mean, just so much love like Exile on Main Street and Sticky Fingers and Beggar's Banquet and Goat's Head Soup and all those albums. So I got to go with the Stones. Are you Elvis or Beatles? As well, oh, man, I, I I can't believe you don't know this, Shooter. I am so Beatles, but I love Paul McCartney. Yeah, like I'm that. obsessed with Paul McCartney. So if you and, ever produce and, any Paul McCartney. And Julian Lennon. What? Shooter, do you do you know Julian Lennon personally? No, I've never met him. I met Sean okay. Lennon a couple of times. And, Is that a brother? And, and, hey, shooter, yeah, Shooter. The, the younger brother. Beth, needs, she's dying right now. She she has this thing with Julian Lennon. She needs you to take her to dinner. With I have Julian an idea. Lennon. No, no, no. I have an idea. I've met Julian. I've met Julian. Shooter, what do you think about this? I think it would be so cool if you would produce Brandy Carlisle with Julian Lennon. Yeah, I would love to. What do you yeah. think of that? What do you think of that combo? Because I, I mean, don't. Know. It'd be good. How old is Julian? Is is I haven't. Isn't he like in his sixties? this point uh julian is i think he's in his late 50s he's in his late right. 50s he which just is no big deal right beth that's no big deal no 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 cool stuff all the time no 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 no, no. I'm just curious because where, where the julian lennon comes from i think he's great and she i loves and him. i you know i remember didn't he release something recently like didn't yes, he do he's that? got some he's got some new music that he just put out recently you got to listen to it 
It's it's. Oh, I love the I, passion I love here for Julia. Yeah, oh, Lennon. you have no idea when you just, just, really just said that. Just like if when you, you were, talk about the real world, the way you think about the real world is the way I think about Julian Lennon. Well, because, let's don't get carried away. Well, long story short, <laughs> Julian Julian Lennon's dad when he passed away. I remember that moment and I was home alone watching the football game. And I, I just remember that moment. And then I just remember all of the, the footage and seeing him walking into the Dakota the next day. Um, oh, and well, just see, now, you how, said- how bad I felt for him. And then a year later, my dad died. And oh. so I just, I felt that connection. I don't know. Like I always thought about that. And then a few years later, I see on MTV that he's come out with his first album and he's singing a lot and too late for goodbyes. And that just always inspired me. Like, you know what? Julian Lennon was all right. His father passed away. Then that means I'm going to be okay. Mm. And so that just always stuck with me. About That's a him. really sweet story. You yeah. know, well, if you had to ask me John Lennon versus Rolling Stones, I would have picked John Lennon. But I wouldn't say Beatles as a whole versus mm. Rolling Stones as a whole for me. But but John Lennon is, I loved his solo stuff so much. Like, mm was crazy over it. And I love Paul too. You know, I like the wings a lot. I like, uh, you know, I, I, some of his newer stuff I couldn't get into as much, but all that. Do you want to hear a crazy story? I heard yeah. that, that Brandy Carlisle told me this because she, I, this, this made me feel that so much was right in the world. When I heard this, we played a show in the Hamptons and Stevens talk house and brand uh, 2021 Paul McCartney came to the show and he was, and I, I got to meet him briefly with the band. Like he, he didn't like hang out with me and the band that much, like, cause Brandy and the twins went to his house after the show. And they said that when they got there, Jimmy Buffett was there. Jimmy Buffett and Paul McCartney were best friends and they hung out all the time. And I mm. was like, really? I was like, that made me feel so good. That guy that he's, he's not like hanging out with like, you know, some hoity toity rich person. That's like, you know, whatever yeah. he's hanging out with Jimmy Buffett. Smoking weed all day. Like apparently they're smoking Jay-Z weeds. So who knows? That is crazy. That's crazy. So shooter, just, you know, popcorn answers here. Just, you know, uh, you're humble, but you played, you played, you played the Hollywood bowl. Kind of. I mean, I got on stage at the Willie thing for like 30 seconds. That's the only time I've ever. And and you were also on stage with guns and roses. So, I mean, seriously, you played the Hollywood bowl. You played Saturday night live. Stretch. Right. Saturday night live. Yes, I have. Grand Ole Opry. I did do that. You sang with the highwaymen. I I don't know if I really sang with the highwaymen. I've seen you on YouTube on stage with these guys at some point. I don't think I did. I don't think I sang with the highwaymen. I've hung out with the highwaymen. Johnny Cash. Held you as a babe. Is he your godfather? Yes, yes, he was. He was my godfather. I originally, my godfather was my dad's manager, and then they had this big falling out or something, and he let me pick a godfather, and I was like seven, and I picked Johnny for some reason. So it was uh, for some reason because yeah, because yeah, well, he was. I mean, he was great. Awesome. He was a great, great person, and I I loved him. But yeah, yeah. Well, you're super cool. You know, you've gone from being like this cool person we know to being an actual friend, and. We just thank you so much for spending time on getting real. Oh, Beth has something. I, I have one more question. Oh, if you could, I, I know you want to produce John Brennan. We got that. We got that. <laughs> on the, we've got that on the plate. Ready to go. John Brennan. If you could pick anybody to produce, who would it be? Oasis comeback record. Ooh, that's what I would like. Nice. That was what I, that's what I would love to do. If not, I'll take Liam Gallagher, but I would love to do an Oasis. Do they know that? Record. Do you know them and they know you're interested? I don't know that. But I've put it out in the universe twice. This is the second time. Because I'm just like, that would be the dream gig. 
because I think I could do well in that. I think but. they would be honored and and they would be wise to do so. Shooter Jennings on Getting Real with John and Beth. Shooter, thanks so much, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, Misty wants sir. to say something. Hold on. Say it. Misty. <laughs> she, Misty, Misty hopes you're uh, on All Stars. She said. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I hope Beth is. I hope I is. Volunteer you know, yourself this time, though. You can't volunteer yourself this time, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You're right. You're right. So, Shooter, this is this is Lindley, and Lindley is our producer, as I introduced you earlier. Lindley has a podcast, you're not going to believe this, where she talks about rock stars and rock legends that oh, have really? passed away. And she has done several, several episodes on really? Waylon Jennings. Really? 15 episodes. What? And when oh. I told her you were my friend and I was going to try to get you on my podcast, she said, would you please see if he would come and be I would love on to. my Waylon episode? I would love to. You have well, no idea easy. what my brother is going to say when I tell him that. What is, what is your podcast <laughs> called? It's called Rock and Roll Heaven. Whoa. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm going to find Pretty it. cool, right? She has done a zillion on, on Waylon. And I'm looking at these. I'm going, oh, my gosh. Have you had Shooter? Because Shooter's super chill, and you should definitely have him. She said, no, I don't know him. I said, I do. <laughs> I mean, let me do it. I have, I have no connections. Wow, look at this. That. This is I, really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, bro. Well, let me connect the two of you guys on email, because I have both your email addresses, and then you guys can work it out. But that I'd would be I'd be more than awesome happy to. That's sure. really cool. I love you the, uh, it looks I like would... you got some done. I want to listen to the Dwayne Allman ones. Thank you shooter love thank you buddy. thank you for having me thanks for having me if you anytime i love this i hope to get to see you soon i missed you bye. bye shooter <laughs> you've been listening to getting real with john and beth on the pantheon podcast network executive produced by christian swain and peter Firioli. edited by michael devestia produced by lindley ehrlich hosted by Beth delarchek and john brennan be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Best Real World and follow John at JohnBrennan.com. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.